the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. New year, new decade, same Raptors grip. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadiumscene.tv network and part of the Overtime Media crew. So the new year didn't start off much like we wanted to. In fact, it was probably the worst Raptors game I've ever seen in my life. But then they followed it up with a, a pretty decent performance in Brooklyn, and we're going to break it all down. Joining me to do so, surprisingly, joining me to do so is Giancarlo Navas, host and editor of the Miami Heat Beat podcast and writer for Five Reasons Sports. Giancarlo, this is a safe space, so you can talk all all good about the Raptors here without any backlash. What's up, man? I am so excited. Listen, I've been wanting to talk Kyle Lowry and Mark Gasol on us stats for weeks, but my producers, my co-hosts, I get slandered on my own podcast. They yell at me. This is a safe space for me to talk about my beloved Toronto Raptors. How the fuck does this happen? Like, how did, like, this is me calling the kettle black here, right? Being not from Toronto, living in the United States, and being a huge Raptors fan. So I guess we sort of had that connection. How does this happen that you cover the heat and you're a huge Raptors fan at the same time? Um, so it kind of started with loving Kyle Lowry. Like he, he plays this kind of utilitarian style of basketball that I find infinitely fascinating, right? Like I think last year was a good example of that. Like sometimes he was just not even willing to shoot the ball because he didn't feel like he was like gonna, it was the right play for the offense. And then he can switch from that to something like this year where every time he's coming off a pick, like, you know, he's going to gun. And I kind of like that balance of how he plays. Like sometimes I don't even know what goes through his head. And that guy's like a genius. Like I've I've told people that he's probably a top five basketball IQ guy in the league. Like you watch that guy play. You watch how he reads the defense. And watching Dwayne Wade for so many years, he's kind of like post-2013 Dwayne Wade, like how he works that pick and roll. When he comes off that pick, you know, you know he has so many options. He's such a good passer. He's such a good driver. He can go to the rim. He kind of can put the brakes on, kind of feel contact from the back, make that read. He can do so many things. Off, off picks, off horn sets, off like he's. I love the way he plays. Like I don't get why people don't like watching that guy play. Like uh, you know that people always joke about that Sacramento Kings announcer. If you don't like uh, this, you don't like Sacramento Kings basketball or whatever. <laughs> I feel that way about Kyle Lowry. Like if you don't like the way Kyle Lowry plays, like how could you like NBA basketball? Like he's he's incredible. And um, watching him for so long and being like obsessed with him, I I went into Raptors hell where I kept picking them every year to beat the Cavs. Oh, uh, no. And I was finally right for them to win. I, I picked them to win the championship like three years. Like me, like a, a guy who covers the Heat, I'm like, watch out for the Raptors. You know, don't sleep on the Raptors. Like this is their year every damn year. I mean, I first of all, I appreciate that uh, because we 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 uh, we went through that hell, I guess, together, especially against Cleveland. That that shit was wild, but. You know, when it comes to the Raptors, I think you summed up the majority of Raptors fans' love for Kyle Lowry, right? It, there's something, you know, intuitive about his style of play and how, you know, he, there's something strangely compelling to how he plays. And at the same time, if you're not a Toronto Raptors fan, somehow you're automatically obliged, I guess, as like an obligatory hate towards Kyle Lowry for just because, right? And it's almost like... I dare I say the way that like maybe Raptors fans respond to to Drogic, like we hate him because he's so good against us. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's like maybe it, it, there's some sort of envy there because I'm sure a lot of Miami Heat fans would love to see Kyle Lowry in a Miami Heat jersey. It's been a thing. Like that guy really exudes Heat culture. Like he's about you know, and I think Heat fans kind of. I think. 
probably he Twitter is really annoyed with Kyle because of how much I tweet about him. Like if Kyle has a bad game, like I'm immediately <laughs> going to the plus minus. I was like, no, but he was plus five. I don't care if he was one for six. Um, but like he's a guy that just does everything that this team wants. And I think that maybe he might not want to admit it, but there's a lot of like post athletic Dwayne Wade in him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he he's really good at fishing for contact. He plays those angles so well. That guy takes charges, plays defense, plays really hard. And, you know, um, I think one of the best examples of who Kyle is is that game seven against Philly last year where not his best shooting day, not his best offensive game, but that guy did everything else on the floor uh, when nobody else had it going. I mean, it was basically just Kawhi and uh, and Ibaka that game. Right. And Kyle just did everything else on the floor. It was like, we're not going to lose this game. If I can't make a shot, I can't control that. I'm going to do everything else that I can't control. And that's something that he fans appreciate. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, like I, I'm, I rummaged through your uh, your Twitter earlier today and you know, I'm looking at all the hate that you get for being a, a Raptors fan, and it's so much. It's so much, dude. Like it's, it's kind so of much. it's so much that that is almost unnecessary, right? So like I I'm on this tweet right now, right? It was from November 22nd. It was favorite moment of the decade, and you got a picture of the Raptors with the Larry OB, <laughs> right? And you got so much fucking slander coming back, like it's so much that people are they they get so pissed. I don't get it's, it. Like it's you can like a team while covering another one. And I don't even think you hate the Heat. I think that's what people don't understand. Like people probably think that because you love the Raptors or you love Kyle Lowry or what have you, that means you automatically hate the Heat. Like these two things can be like separated. They can be compartmentalized in that way. I think Heat Twitter's kind of divided into two groups, right? So like there's a Heat Twitter group that kind of gets it, right? Like they know, like part of it is me leaning into it because I like to annoy them, right? So some of them <laughs> lean in and like they really like add on because like, you know, I'm I'm kind of the punching bag of Heat Twitter, sure. right? Like I don't spell things right. I typo. Like, I, I was covering the, the Raptors shoot around the other day and I was typoing tweets with Kyle in it, like with the videos and all that. Uh, so like I get made fun of a lot and I lean into it. And other Heat fans that don't get it, like genuinely get upset and they're like, but you cover the Heat. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Right. I'm objective about the Heat. I'm a fan of the Raptors. Right. You know I, what I mean? It's like... I mean, you can do your job without having some sort of bias. Because, like... All right, so I... Living in New England, I cannot stand Celtics fans. And I... So yeah, they're bad, dude. Like, it, I'll get to it in a bit. But, like, you have no idea. But, like, when you're... When you watch a team perform well, like the Christmas Day game... I'm not going to shit on the Celtics, right? I can say, like, the Raptors played like trash. Like, they, they gave up this game. They sort of blew it on a national stage. And I can give, you know, props to the Celtics without liking them. Like, you can compartmentalize things yeah. and be able to be objective with your takes about a team and still like another team. And I, and I think that concept is foreign to, like, fanatics. Not just fans, but super fanatics about their team. And they take it a little bit too far. He fans don't even hate the Raptors. Like, he fans hate the Celtics and hate the Sixers. Like, that's who they hate. Like, mm. he fans don't have any ill opinions of the Raptors, right? Like, even in the playoff series they lost, I remember. It's like, you have to remember what Heat fan base is. Like, during the LeBron years, it was, we created almost an insulated space where everyone hated us, right? Like, everyone hated the fan base. Everyone criticized us for being late. Everyone criticized us. You know, I, I think something that people don't really understand is, like, you know, I'm, I'm Colombian and... 
you know, as Hispanics, we're just raised not to show up places on time. <laughs> like, that's just how it goes. Like, if we're going to, like, Artia's house, like, we're not, if it's 10 o'clock, we're showing up at 1030. Yeah. It's just the way that art, like, so we're getting places late and people are criticizing us for who we are. And we're, you know, people are trashing our city. Barkley's trashing the team. They're trashing way. Like, so he Twitter created, like, this super insulated space where, like, it was us against the world, right? And the team also kind of reflected that during those four years. And that was kind of, like, when sports Twitter was born, like, in 2010 through 2015, right? right? So we have these defense that are ultra-sensitive, and they're ready for war every damn playoff series, right? So the Celtics Twitter is very mean. (laughs) They they brought it always. Indiana Twitter always brought it. Uh, So then after LeBron left, they missed the playoffs, right? The first year, everybody got hurt that season. The next year, uh, they they, they get the Dragic trade. They get Luol Deng healthy. You know, they're going great. Bosch gets hurt. They make it to the second round, seven-game series against the Raptors, which is probably, by the way, Maybe the worst seven-game series I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. That was like a cesarean section of a series. Oh, yeah. Um, and he Twitter didn't even hate Raptors Twitter. Every, they were just saying, like, why are they so nice? <laughs> like, so he fans don't even hate the Raptors. They, like, they respect them for being nice and, like, for being a good team. And f- they respect Masai for taking the swings that they know Riley would take. So, like, and uh, I talked a little bit about this with Kyle at Shootaround and Nick Nurse as well. That, like, the two franchises are kind of taking on a similar identity. Like, they both really find winning in the margins. They do a really good job. And I know it's been reported ad nauseum. But, like, how the Raptors and the Heat are finding talent in the late rounds. Right. Fringe lottery in the G League, right? They're, you know, Masai is a lot like Pat in that he's going to take swings and he's going to prepare, right? Like, he's – that's a guy that's always trying to win, right? Like, that organization – is trying to win. Even if they have DeMar and Kyle and they know that they might be stuck a little bit, they're like, we need to change. We need to do something big. We're not going to stay in this Atlanta Hawks, you know, Mm. Joe Johnson trail of mediocrity, right? So I think a lot of people down here really identify with that franchise, but they just, they get annoyed with me. I don't know. I feel you, man. Like, and calling back to what you said about, you know, establishing an identity and us versus the world mentality that the Heat, uh, you know, fan base established. That's not at all dissimilar to the Raptors fan base, even today, right? That it's is not. That is the whole We the North moniker right there. That is what it means. And I think, like, you know, calling back to that playoff series, that seven-game playoff series with the Raptors, I think at one point, uh, he, I don't know if they made T-shirts about it or something, but there was a We the South, and Raptors fans got super fucking salty. Like, super salty, because, like, you're stealing our modicum. Like, you know, you're stealing our identity in that aspect. But they're really not that dissimilar if, if that's the way it's going to be, and you know, when it comes to to the fan base, like I don't even think Raptors fans hate any other fan base really. Besides, I mean, the Cleveland hate has died down because LeBron's gone, so it's got to be the Celtics and maybe New York, just because New York is obnoxious with their Twitter takes and they're not, not even not Philly. Uh, I mean, like maybe, but I just think that we we feel like we've won up Philly already because of last year, because of the shot. Right. And so, like, no matter what, we, we can always just call back to that and say, yeah, you know, you might be the better team today. Maybe. I don't even know if that's. I don't know about that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure if that's definitely true. But even if it is, like, say the Raptors and, and the Sixers meet each other in, in the playoffs and the Sixers take it, we still have the shot. Like, nothing can be more devastating in a playoff loss than that way of losing. And it's still stinging Sixers uh, players and past Sixers players to this day. Like Embiid crying is a forever image. Oh in yeah, terms of Raptors fandom. Like for me, like him walking off the court. You know what I mean? Game of Thrones was on that night, and the most bloody murder was in the <laughs> 76ers Raptors game. It was a Mother's Day, right? Like, what a way to celebrate Mother's Day! And I, I, I don't know. Like, 
But going back to like other fan bases and whatnot, I just think that, you know, it, it's just weird that a fan base would would hate on you for loving a certain player. Like I, I guess ironically, the team, man. Let me tell you, yeah. I am about this team. Like this team, probably, you know, out of every non-heat team, it's it's my favorite sports team to watch. You know what I mean? Like I. Even like I probably enjoy watching this year's team more. I don't know if you agree with me. I've seen other people on Raptors Twitter kind of like maybe lean this way as well. Uh, the way the the way that they play, how hard they play, just I think Nurse has taken a step up as a coach as well. I think he has a lot more confidence and he's trying a lot more like funky stuff this year. Mm. They, I I find them like even if they're playing a game against Cleveland where they're blowing them out, they're playing their guys late into the fourth quarter and they're playing hard and Kyle's still diving and like. Man, this is such an energy about them that you feel so rewarded as as a consumer when you watch them. It's incredible. Like I love this team. I'm not sure that it's more entertaining than last season because last season will be something that you know Raptors fans will never forget. I think it's a more interesting team, right? Because I you, mean regular season ball though, right? And you walk into it thinking you you walked into the season not knowing what was going to happen. Right, and last year there was a, a sort of like presumption that because Kawhi's here and Danny Green was here, it'd be like okay, like we we are finals bound at that point. I don't think anybody said that walking into this season. Maybe they were, and I, I don't know how much investigation was involved in that. But at the same time, there's something. It's like a roller coaster ride because you have some games that they just you know surprise you, like that game in L.A. against the Lakers where they were a depleted lineup and they were able to pull out a win. And then that game against Miami when they put up a dud and you're just like, what, what the fuck is going on with this team? They're, they're just like, this is not their night. And so you have these ups and downs, the, these polarities of, oh my God, this team is so exciting. And then you have these moments where like, this team doesn't have it tonight and I don't know if they're going to be able to survive in the playoffs. It's, and they haven't been healthy. Like, I think that that's something that gets lost. Like, how can we properly evaluate this team when their five best players have only played 175 minutes together? Right. Right. So Kyle, Mark, uh, Pascal, Fred, and OG have 175 minutes. They're outscoring teams by 13 net rating with an offensive rating of 119. Like there, that is devastating. Mm -hmm. Like they're clobbering teams when they're healthy, but we haven't seen that for more than two. We haven't even gotten 200 minutes of those guys yet. Right. So how how could we like when this team is at their best, they can beat anybody. And I think that that's fact. They could beat the Bucks. They could beat the Lakers. They could beat anybody at their best. Uh, are they going to be able to be healthy and be at their best? I guess that's the question. Um, you know, they have a lot of guys that are aging, a lot of guys that do have injury history. Kyle, you know, has a hand thing like every other year. Um, you know, Mark's, Mark's up in age. Uh, Pascal, you hope to be healthy. And, and the rest of the guys, you know. But this team, honestly, man, I've, after watching them so much, like, would you be surprised if, if they make a conference final and have a shot at the finals? Because I wouldn't. That may be the fan of me talking, but uh, I mean, we haven't seen them really play the Bucks. but uh, out of those other matchups in the East, I'm not really scared of anybody. It's, even Miami as well. Like, And I think people have to understand that, you know, Jimmy Butler right now is really sustaining his offense through free throws. And Miami's offense is kind of weird because their shooters are like really unproven. So we have to see how that's been fluctuating throughout the season. And lately, they've been kind of struggling to score. Uh, their defense has been good. But like the Celtics, are you really trusting them when they're going to have to play Enos Cantor minutes yeah, in the no. playoffs? You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, 
I don't really see a lot of teams. Like, I don't see a clear cut between all those, you know, after the Bucks, those other teams. Like, is there really one that really stands out above the others? Philly's a disaster offensively. Like, Horford is getting played off the floor regularly, which has been shocking to me. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, it wouldn't shock me, it, to answer your question, like, you know, simply. It wouldn't shock me at all if they made, like, a finals uh, run or, you know, even just made it to the conference finals. It wouldn't shock me, but I'm not sure that teams like... Maybe Philly will stand pat, and I know we're going to get into trade talk later on, but if, like, Milwaukee makes a push and they add uh, some depth to their team, or maybe even Indiana, if they want to make a push, they, they could maybe, you know, stabilize the, their team. Uh, Boston, I never worried about them making an impactful trade just because Danny Ainge likes to hold his, uh, yeah. his trades. Like, rather his they don't really picks. have anything to move either because their no. contracts are too big and they're too valuable. Well, they the, the, the chatter in Boston land right now is that oh we can just trade gordon hayward for fucking anyone and the they'll just grovel at our feet because i'm the great danny ainge and i say give me this and i will win this trade like that is how boston celtics fans operate like they they just they don't they're so goddamn reactionary they're just like oh we want him and we're just gonna get him because we're the celtics and they don't realize like no that salaries have to match like you got your the people that you're putting out have to be you know valuable they have to mean something well gordon hayward's this awesome player okay then keep him no oh okay like (laughs) you know like it's so ass backwards they just so like they just so greedy when it comes to talent so i don't trust that the celtics will make a move and i don't know like speaking on this the raptors again we're gonna trade talk later but i don't know if they can make an impactful move either just because of you know what they have coming off the books and how they want to keep uh, a salary open for 2021 um, I don't know. So it's going to be interesting. Once this team is fully healthy, I think you can call that like a trade acquisition at the deadline, assuming yes. that everyone's able to come back and they'll make some noise. But um, as of right now, if things stay status quo and some players are, you know, slow to get back, I don't know that they're going to be able to keep their head above water at this fourth, uh, fourth seated spot right now. I mean, like, if we really think about it, in the East, I think the only team that's really equipped to guard them when healthy is Milwaukee, right? And I think right. Pascal, I know his numbers dipped a little bit, but when he was hitting that little pull-up jumper, I mean, that team's unguardable. There's there's nothing they can do. And when they go five out with Kyle, Mark, Fred, and OG, what what can you really do against that lineup when you have that big guy running pick and roll, right? So you have your four or five pick and roll. And what can you really do if you're the Bucks, right? So you're putting, uh, you're putting Lopez and Giannis in there. And you have little guys helping off Pascal coming in. And then you have Kyle cutting, shooting, all that stuff, all that action happening off ball. So, like, they're the Milwaukee's the only team that I see could be, like, equipped to defend stuff like that. And I think that's why that offense is so devastating. And a lot of that depends on Pascal hitting that little jumper, which he was hitting, credit to him. Hmm. Um, I know that he kind of slumped a little bit. But if he can hit that, like, I, I don't really see how a team can adequately defend that lineup. And I've been a little surprised that they haven't gone pascal at five and og at four that's something i've kind of been wanting to see nurse unlock and he never i don't think they played a single minute together uh with pascal at the five i was kind of checking the numbers um i would like to see that i'm really curious because i do think that could work for some stretches against smaller tie lineups or even like bigger immobile lineups like i would like to see that happen a little more i think the reason why pascal wasn't playing much of the five and i and i seem to recall that he did last year in the playoffs um, just out of necessity, or if the Raptors were running bit, small, yeah. yeah. Um, I think because we were so uh, short on guards in the beginning of the season that Nick Nurse wanted to employ him, and 
have him bring the ball up and have him play like this, you know, stretch the floor a little bit. Um, so in that aspect, you know, at that time, Gasol and Ibaka were healthy at some point, like not obviously not throughout the entire stretch of the beginning of the year, but there was a, a need for guard because McCall wasn't playing. Norman Powell was still in, you know, his normal Powell, Norman Powell form, uh, <laughs> not this breakout form that he had before. I the energy. love new norm. He's uh, my dude, favorite. So good. So good. But it's unfortunate that he got injured because now. He's probably going to go back to old Norm. <laughs> no, I don't even say that. Norm has a chain with his initials on it now. That he has a Stabat. You can't. Listen. Well, so does Fred. I know, but okay, but like, you know, Fred is Steph Curry's daddy. Like, he's allowed to do it. Who is Norman Powell? Which is why I love Norm, because well, he has no self awareness. Listen, every championship team needs a guy like that. They need a Norm. Uh, I, well, according to Norm, uh, RHJ is, is his son. So there you go. So, you know, he's dad to RHJ. <laughs> Man, Norm is so good, man, because, like, there's so so many series of unfortunate events that happened to him with, like, the GoDaddy curse. I'm sure you're familiar with it and whatnot. And I just, every time he's having a bad game, and, like, I don't want to throw rumors out there. I, I, this is just me just poking fun, so people calm. speculation. Yeah, calm, calm the fuck down out there. He just looks high as fuck. Anytime he's out there, he's, like, not knowing what's going on. He's just got bloodshot eyes, like, what the fuck is going on? And he has just... the same expression at all times. <laughs> yeah. Like, it never changes. It's just this have, blank stare. It's awesome. He'll have a momentum-changing dunk that completely changes the course of a game. And he won't even, like, he'll just, like, kind of scowl and run back down the floor back on defense. And, like, guys are going crazy. Like, Pascal's, like, hyping up on the bench. Fred's jumping up and down. And Norm's like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Love it. Just Love dunked it. on four guys. <sighs> well, hopefully he comes back fully healthy and he can pick back up. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Heat game and how devastating it was. You were there, so we'll get a, a first-person uh, hand account of this. We'll be right back. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so perhaps the worst game in Raptors history, or at least modern <laughs> Raptors history. Um, you were there. Let's talk about this. First of all, let's talk about the atmosphere. I tweeted you out, and you said like the, the Raptors fans were there. From the audio that I got from the stream, completely legal stream, by the way, uh, it sounded like, yeah, of course, the, it sounded like the Raptors fans came out full force. Is this true? Snowbirds, like, man. Yeah. Snowbirds. There's a lot of uh, it was a lot of tourists uh, here. I was out last night out in the streets, and I was like, where where did all these people come from that aren't from here? <laughs> It's a lot, man. I'm like, oh my god. I was like, where? It, it it feels more this year than ever before. I mean, obviously, like you know, December in Miami, you know, people come down from the yeah. north. That's normal. Boy, were there a lot of Raptors fans there. I felt so not alone. Wow. I mean, like when when you hear the crowd, like after every made basket, and there weren't that many for the Raptors during this <laughs> game, <laughs> but like you could tell that they it sounded like a Toronto South game, and you know. That might have been the only bright spot about this game because, like, you want to talk stats and whatnot from the loose things that I picked up here. None of the entire roster of the Raptors were in the plus column. Zero. Not one. Not That makes sense. One. Yeah. Shot an abysmal, abysmal 14% from deep. 14% going 6 for 42. 18 of those looks, 18 of those 42 were wide open, and they only hit three. Three. Three deep balls. You're not going to be any team. I don't care if you want, if Raptors fans want to put this on McCaw, you want to put this on anybody you want. It does not matter. They did not have an answer to the zone defense. So I want to know what you like, what was highlighted for you in this game, both negatively and positively. Probably not a lot of positives as we've already 
discuss I like what was the biggest thing of this game? The most positive thing I saw at that game was that guy in the section next to me with the Mopeat jersey. <laughs> Shout out to you, sir. <laughs> Shout out to you. The Mopeat era. Never forget. Uh, I was honestly surprised that he won zone. Um, I think there's two things. I think the Raptors play an uncomfortable amount of Patrick McCaw, and I mm. felt that way since he every time he starts. Uh, Nick Nurse said uh, at shoot around, he was he told us that he was going to try to shake things up. That he felt that Bam and Jimmy were very very physical, and he wanted to match that physicality. So I thought he was going to go uh, Rondé and OG in the starting lineup, and that um, McCaw was going to be the man out. Uh, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which was kind of surprised me. I, I don't really get why he would say that and then go with the guy who is most likely to get pushed around on the floor, but whatever. Um, Miami's own defense has been weird because sometimes it, it's worked a lot of times and sometimes it doesn't. I didn't think it would work against the Raptors, uh, particularly because Miami's really like comfortable yielding the top side three, which Kyle and Fred love to take. Like Kyle and Fred love walking into those. Uh, and Fred wasn't taking them, which was right. really weird. Like Fred would have the ball and he'd catch the ball up top and he would just not take it. And I was yelling like, Fred, what are you doing? Like, why are you not? It, that was a little strange. I, I don't, I don't really know what was going on with him there. Um, Miami does this thing where they're playing Bama power forward now, which means that he's not really back there rim defending, which is partly why they go to zone a lot. Uh, because they can't really put Myers, you know, as a rim protector because he's not particularly good, and he can't mm. really guard quicker fours. But they kind of need the spacing and the and the rebounding. So like they're doing kind of like, I suppose doing some weird makeshift thing where they're using zone to kind of combat that stuff. Um, I personally don't think that'll work in the playoffs against the Raptors. I just think that was kind of anomalous. Uh, I know Miami's three point defense is good, however, they allow a lot. Um, I do think that if the Raptors are a little more trigger happy, this kind of changes, which surprised me because Fred is usually trigger happy. Right. So that was that was kind of the big takeaway for me. And you just I kind of throw that game out the window because I don't even think Miami played particularly well either. No, neither team um, did. It yeah. was a super low scoring game. It felt like that playoff series where like they played seven games and nobody ever played well except Dragic and Kyle that those two games. Right. Um, right. And yeah. well, Kyle only had 15 points, I think, in that game. Yeah. Bad shooting. And even Dragic had like 13 points. And he all scored them all in one quarter, like in a six-minute stretch. The second quarter. Yeah, he was he was lethal in that quarter. And like you touched on Fred Van Vliet. He only scored seven points, and I think all of them came in the first, in like the first couple of minutes of the game. Like he yeah. was just sort of off. And, you know, it, it surprised me that RHA didn't get the nod. Um, I, I think think that he got the nod to start in the game prior to this and so i thought that you know having the momentum of that on your side they would have stuck with him because he's super scrappy on defense and you kind of want that right and you know more to the to the zone defense that the heat played um i thought that seeing as that the raptors like employ this often they nick nurse is not afraid to go zone like they, they won a box and one in the playoffs against milwaukee and they won um i thought he would have an answer like, you, you would think that he would be able to sort of reverse engineer it and try to find a way to make it work, but obviously without the personnel, without Mark Saul there for the, for the cuts and the passing, like, you can't really solve that with the personnel that you have on the floor. Um, maybe if Siakam and maybe Norman Powell and definitely Gasol were in this game, the, the zone defense wouldn't have been that much of a detriment towards the Raptors. They might have been able to solve it, but if, if no one's moving and they're forcing shots from the outside, Miami, that is, um, the Raptors aren't going to win this game, and that's basically what happened. 
I think this was like a classic game of they miss Mark kind of being an escape valve for the offense. So like mm. when when kind of stuff bogs down, they know that they can get him on the elbow and he can kind of find cutters and make something happen. And if he's willing to shoot, which he has been this season, credit to him. I've been really proud of Mark actually shooting shots this year. You know, we <laughs> we love that. Keep doing that. Yeah. Um, I think they also miss him on the short roll. I think that him and Kyle in that pick and roll and then Mark kind of doing damage on short roll with cutters and stuff. I think that's really missed. Um, Miami is not a particularly big team, especially on the wings. Like they have Jimmy and, but like, you know, for the most part, they're not really, really big guys. So I do think the Raptors probably could have been a little more physical. I know that Jimmy and Bam are, but the rest of the guys really aren't like you can push Duncan Robinson and Tyler hero and Kendrick Nunn and all those guys around. Like Miami's missing justice Winslow, who is arguably the third best player. Right. And without him, they kind of lose a lot of that edge because he is incredibly physical. Uh, Myers, you know, all those guys you can really push around except for Bam and Jimmy. I know they're really tough, but they're not like, you know what I mean? Uh, Kyle should have no problem bullying the guards that were bothering him. I know Jimmy spent a lot of time on him, which I found interesting. And that'll obviously change once they get um, Siakam back. But um, it's... I, again, I throw that game out the window. I don't really know what else to say other than a really bad shooting night. The zone bothered them. No Gasol, no, no outlets. You know, nobody move, really moving. Um, I don't have the numbers, but I know the Raptors, the last time I looked, were a really good cutting team. Uh, and points per possession, they were one of the best in the league, and they had, they weren't really doing a lot of that. No. No, they weren't moving at all. And, like, it, it surprises me that, you know, that wasn't implemented because, you know— I'll talk all the, you know, give all the hate and slander to McCaw. Like, I'll be the first to do it. But the, <laughs> but the dude is quick, right? He might not be the most reliable with possessions and whatnot, but he can weave pretty well. And there just wasn't any of it. There was no movement. There was no movement on the inside. There was no cut, no picking, nothing. And that's what made me sort of look at this game and saying, this is gross. Like, you look at the stat line, you look at the, the, the sheet, and you're thinking, okay, this was a a pretty good defensive game. And if you watch it, kind of wasn't. It's just like the Raptors just weren't hitting shots. And at some point, neither was Miami, but Miami had the reliability of certain players at certain points to get hot, and that's when it mattered. It wasn't like a collaborative effort here. Jimmy Butler only scored, what, seven, eight points? Like, that's not... If you were The Jimmy told me, Butler experience this yeah, year, let me tell you. <laughs> you know, usually he's a Raptor killer, right? And if you would have told me before this game, yo, Butler's only going to walk away with eight points, I would be like, oh, this is in the bag. We got this. We must have played shutdown defense. But no, like, it was a, a decent defensive effort on the Raptors' behalf. But, you know, it, you, like I said, you had 18 wide-open looks from deep, and you only hit three of them? Come on now. Like, you're not going to win any games by doing that. That's just poor shooting. And this is a team that shoots three-pointers at a pretty high quit, a clip. And not only that, a reliable clip. And you're going to mean to tell me you're not hitting your shots wide open? Come on, man. That That is just disgraceful. And, like, the guys shooting the threes are, are guys you want. Kyle was two for 12. Fred was one for 11. You know, and I think most of that was in the first half because in the second half, he really stopped shooting. Terrence Davis was 0 for 5. You know what I mean? Like, those are – Adenobi was 2 for 5, which he was okay. But um, Ibaka 0 for 4. Those are guys that you, like, trust to at least hit, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Kyle was their leading shooter with two threes. Like, Kyle and OG. Yeah, ridiculous. But, and, you know, you look at some of the decisions that were made, like, you know – a lot of people love Chris Boucher in Raptors land. Like, love him. I don't get it. For the life of me, I don't get it. Like, I understand he's a good rim protector. Like, he's tall, he's lengthy, but he's he's so skinny. He doesn't have a body on him. He's not a—well, he is super aggressive, but he's going to get bullied. 
And he did here. Like, he's just not effective when it comes to guys that can just bully him underneath. And I know right now you're playing him out of necessity because Gasol is not there. And what other options you have besides... They, they need bodies. Yeah. It, but at that point, like, if you know that's not working, throw Brissett in there. Just try it. Like, at that point, I know it's a close game, sort of. And, like, it, it's defensive. You know, the priority is defense here. But if you're trying to get some looks and you're trying to create something on offense and you want to spark, Brissett has proven that he could be okay in those situations. And I'd kind of want to give him the nod, not, you know, a lot of the time, but of the 13 minutes that Boucher gave, got, give five of them to Brissett and just see what happens. I th- you know, the, the thing with that is that I think that when you kind of give, you know, not even the 13 minutes is not even enough to really get going. And I think if you're just going to give five to somebody else, like, can you really expect someone to get in a rhythm in such, like, little time? You know what I mean? Right. Right, and I'm, I I feel that like I get you, and I I don't disagree with you, um, but it's something that you also have to look at. It's like, well, what are we going to really do in these five minutes? Is it going to be? Are we just going to look for a spark and then yank him? Are we going to give him a thirteen minute stretch? You know, if we put him in for long enough, the game could be lost. You know, should we? And remember, the Raptors have come back a lot this year, and you kind of hope. I mean, even last night, I mean, Kyle and Fred got hot in the second half, and that's all she wrote, right? So at some point, you kind of hope that, like, your guys get hot shooting and everything's working, because I think they like their process, and I think Nurse has shown uh, that that Houston game in particular, like, they stuck with their game plan, right? Even mm-hmm. though that they lost to those Houston corner threes, like, they really believe in their process. So in this game, they were getting the shots they wanted. They believed in their process, and they just couldn't hit them. And I really think that that's probably what they're going to think. I, I wasn't in the locker room that night, but I'm sure that that's something that was said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, at that point, you want your shooters to shoot. And, you know, in no way would I tell Fred or Kyle, like, hey, you're, you're one for 11 or two for 12. You might want to calm down a bit. And First of all, Kyle wouldn't listen anyway. But No, dude, Kyle's a gunner this season. I love gunner Kyle. <laughs> Uh, my favorite part about Kyle Lowry is the fuck it buckets where he just like on a fast break, he'll just do the pull up three from dead center and just Bro, nail it's the best. It's the best. It's the best. It's Kyle Lowry in a nutshell. Um, it's, yeah, but this, this is one of the games that I'm just want to throw away. And like Fred Van Vliet said it as much. He tweeted out like flush it down the toilet. That's it. Like just, just let this one go. I know it's frustrating. And for you, it's probably a little bit more frustrating because you're in the environment. Right. And I'm sure you got a lot of slander after the game. Or maybe even I was during. cheering for every action on the court. Like, oh, okay. You know, so like it, it was a weird night for me because if the Heat would score, I'd cheer. If the Raptors scored, I'd cheer. If the Raptors turned it over, I groaned. But I also like this pumped. It was weird. I, <laughs> I, it was an odd experience. Everything made me happy and everything made me sad. I mean, then you're right in purgatory, right there in the. It middle. was it was hell, but it was also the greatest hell, and I was also like five gin and tonics in. So oh, perfect. All right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, whatever. Happy, thir- Happy Thursday. I took the day off the next day. Yeah, fuck it. At that point, you're just enjoying yourself. But um, I was all raptured out. <laughs> um, let's move on to the Brooklyn game. You sort of referenced it. I didn't. I wasn't able to watch this live. I was watching the uh, the NFL playoff game, so I got a chance to to watch this this morning. Um, Are you a Bills fan? I am a Bills Listen. fan. Oh my god, I hate them. Why? Why do you? Who hates the Bills? They're so annoying, and also like the man, fan base is annoying. They're so annoying. That's exactly why. Because my my best friend, she went to school in Syracuse, and they're all Bills fans up there, and all of her exes who I hate are Bills fans, and I just want them to be sad. What? We are sad. Like oh, every good. day, every day is sad. Yesterday that was Josh sad. Josh Allen guy sucks. What did he do? He was like one for ten, like of his last like 10, 11 throws or something. It was something Awful. like that. Awful. Like this isn't a Bills podcast, but I'll, I'll vent a little bit. Like he was Kyle Lowry in that Heat game. That's what he was. <laughs> No, but in the beginning, he was Kyle Lowry in the Nets game. And then the second, <laughs> the second half, half. <laughs> it's, 
second half, Kyle. You know, you're up 16 zip and you lose the, uh, whatever, whatever. Uh, yes, I'm a Bills fan. I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry. It was terrible. <laughs> um, so I was able to watch this Raptors. Like, that was my saving grace last night. Like, I go over to Alexa. I'm like, Alexa, what's the score of the Raptors game? And like, the Raptors won this game. Oh, all right, all right. I'm, I'm in a good mood now. So all is right. But, um, you know, as you mentioned, Kyle Lowry <clears throat> and Fred Van Vliet sort of took this game over. And it wasn't pretty in the beginning. Like, the Nets tried to copy a lot of what the Heat did with his own defense, and the Raptors were able to find a way to, you know, execute against it properly. And they, it wasn't necessarily like a blowout, but it was a, a moment in this game that the Brooklyn Nets were up quite a bit. And at no point did I think that the Raptors were going to lose this game. Like, I knew the result afterwards, that get, don't get me wrong, but watching this game, like, that is the... Scared. Really? Watching it live? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I was, I was a little scared. I watched the first half live and the second half I watched tape, but um, I was a little scared in that first half. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of worried. Well, it's like because you have to like their offense is so reliant on two guys right now. Like if those guys don't like Fred did not have it going in the first half. And like no. if Fred doesn't have it going, like it just it looks bad. And the, they really depend on Kyle for a lot. And then it's just him doing everything. And then I don't I'm like, he's going to be tired in the fourth. He's like playing career high in minutes. It's like it looks bad. Like, you know, and then I know the Nets aren't very good, but it's on the road. And I was like, oh, my God, this is how it starts. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. It, I mean, they, you know, and I think the big difference between the Nets and the Heat is that when the Heats run the zone, they have Myers at the point and he's really long and he makes it really difficult to make entry passes and, and to kind of like move the ball around and zip it like vertically. And I think that's kind of partly why the Raptors weren't cutting as much because it was kind of difficult with, with such size at the, at the top of the zone. And I don't think the Nets really had that, which is why the Raptors were able to solve it in the second half. And part of that was just shooting. But I think part of that was they were kind of finding a little ang- they were fi- kind of finding the angles better. Mm. Um, I really, really like when they bring Kyle from the baseline coming off a pick. I think that that's probably some of their best, easiest offense. And they were kind of doing that in the second half of that Nets game. And it just kind of gets him in motion. And then when he's in motion coming off that screen, he has the option to shoot. He can kind of go attack the basket. He has so many choices that he can do that it's just it's almost like instant offense. Like you're going to get something that you like out of it. Right. And they were kind of going to that a little more. And when they were hitting their shots, it kind of broke the zone down. So uh, and listen, if <laughs> Fred Van Vliet making shots equals good basketball. So it's true. As seen in the finals. I mean, 29 points you're walking away from that and you're thinking, you know, that's a great performance. Coupled it with 11 dimes like Fred Van Vliet was on last night. And, you know, as you mentioned, Kyle Lowry was, too. And Ibaka, to his credit, had a great night, too. And if all first three, half, he really helped. He helped him up in the first half a lot. Yeah. You know, if all three of those are on their game. The Raptors should be able to walk away from games with dubs. The glaring issue that I'm seeing here, it's not Patrick McCaw, because obviously those are well-founded issues. That, and he's, I think Nurse is just putting him out there out of necessity because uh, we mentioned the guard, the lack of guard depth. And maybe Patrick McCaw has pictures of Nick Nurse that we're just not aware of. But <laughs> um, OG Ananobi, right? And as I mentioned, like he was booted from the starting lineup. I think it was the game against Cleveland. And Ari Shea was put in. Um, he's just not showing me enough to be relied on as a starting guy. Like, I know the defense, his upside is his defensive presence, but offensively, he's just not there. It just hasn't been there unless he's coming off the bench. So I kind of wanted to get your take. Do you think, like, maybe now to, like, light a fire up under his ass, like Nick Nurse, maybe it may be in the best interest of the team to have Rondé Hollis-Jefferson start over OG from now on? So I kind of think it's lineup dependent. I think when they have their guys like all healthy, I think that OG makes so much sense because he's a guy that can help take some defensive pressure off of Pascal, 
Uh, he's he plays really well with Gasol as well. Like when they're healthy, I do think that OG in the starting lineup is a no brainer. Uh, he's he's the fifth option. He's literally the least important offensive guy, and he in that role and just standing in the corner attacking closeouts. That's that's the perfect role for him. Right. When he's asked to do a little bit more against other starters, so like now instead of you know the fifth best guy on the defender of the team, now you know he's gets the third of the starting lineup. I do agree with you that coming off the bench might be a little better, and kind of having that Rondé veteran savvy energy is going to help them a little more. Um, and listen, Nurse has been really flexible with his lineups. He's been changing them. He's he's not. He has a lot of Eric Spolstra in him that he he's willing to to change things up constantly, uh, even at the expense of taking his guys out of rhythm. But I, I I actually really agree with you. I just think that they're asking a little too much of him offensively, and I just don't think he's there yet. And I and remember last he basically he's lost a year of development. I mean, last year was a wash for him. Mm. So he's he's man he's one of the guys he's one of the 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 guys I would want most in the league. Like if I were starting a team, I'd really want to trade for him because I, I see so much upside. I see so much potential as a really elite three and D guy. Um, but I think where he fits in the, in the starting lineup really depends on who's healthy. Yeah. And I, I don't know that I necessarily agree that if the entire roster is healthy, that I'd want OG in the starting lineup because you know, you figure with Kyle Fred, Kyle and Fred are no brainers to start with Gasol, right? So you have those three with Siakam. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the role that Norman Powell is going on. I wouldn't mind putting him out there and the Raptors run a little bit small and mm. like, you know, I, and the defensive like drop off from him, from OG to him. It's, I know like you think maybe that's devastating, but Norman Powell is a pretty decent defender. He's not great. He's not a world beater, but he's pretty good enough that if the offense is there, I kind of want the offensive upside. So that lineup that we've talked about, that instead of OG, uh, we put Norm. It's yeah. played 18 minutes this season, and they're minus 34 net rating. Okay. Uh, they have a 58 <laughs> offensive rating. 92 defensive rating, though, so you're right. The, de- <laughs> the defense improves. Yeah. Uh, small sample size theater, obviously, but that that's obviously not a lineup that uh, they've gone to very often. And I don't know that, you know, during those times, like how hot was Norman Powell. And again, this is stretches. Like, obviously, you can't rely that on That was obviously the beginning of the season, though. That was probably like the first couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. Those guys have all not been healthy at the same right. time since. Yeah. And that type of performance is not sustainable throughout, like Norman Powell's rather, that yeah. breakout that he has. It's not sustainable throughout the entire season anyway. But like, I don't know. I just need to see more from OG. Like, this is not someone that I'm, you know, clamoring to make a trade for or rather trade away. I want him on the team, but like, I guess the the expectations are so high because of his rookie performance against LeBron and how great it was and you know on the defensive end. Since then, like you're right, last year was sort of a wash, like he he wasn't really there. But I haven't seen enough this year to be like, yeah, I'm confident in you in the starting lineup. I just I haven't seen it. So I, I just a, sure. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that the Raptors best is if he unlocks something? Like their their high point is him figuring stuff out. But what? Like, I think that you play him and you hope that he kind of works himself through this stuff because I think that to reach their ceiling, they need him to be who we think he is. I'm not or sure. Who we hope him to be. I'm not sure. I like I, what what's Norm Norm's peak is what we're seeing. Like, yeah. That's what that's like the high end of Norman Powell. The high end of OG Ananobi is gonna be the difference between them making a conference finals or not. You know what I mean? Mm. Maybe even the finals. Like if he's if if he's a if he's a guy who could really shoot the ball, attack closeouts, and defend at a high level, 
you know, doing all those things at his size, you know, being able the switchability, being able to guard, you know, one through four, if asked, stuff like the, the stuff that we think he can do. Right. The stuff that we've seen flashes of at times, you know, to be that kind of elite corner shooter, to be that guy who can attack a closeout and be strong at the rim, you know, like that high end stuff is, I think, what they're going to need. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of Justice Winslow for Miami. I know that he has had his lumps offensively, but like their high end is whatever him figuring stuff out. And I think OG's kind of in a similar position. I can see it. Like, I just don't know that I. It's still early in the season that if he doesn't like produce right now, I'm not, you know, that pissed off about it. But if we're seeing this type of performance still in like March, April, I'm worried. Like, I, I don't know that you can risk a playoff performance given the, the nature of this lineup, like risk him and, and the errors that he's, you know, made out there. Like the margin of error is so slim that I don't know if, if this doesn't improve relatively quickly that I'm confident in him moving forward. I mean, as he's a starter, a, I mean, he's a 36% three point shooter, which obviously like that's going to have a ton of value. Um, and I think that alone is like incredibly helpful at his position. Mm. Um, so I don't know, like he, I'm really high on him. It sounds like I'm way higher on him than you. Mm. I mean, he's still uh, young. He's, he's only 22. He's so like there, there's still plenty of time for him to reach that potential. I just don't know right now as a starter. In, with this lineup that with he's this lineup, I agree that they should probably go Rondé. Although, like, I'm a little wary about sacrificing shooting, but it is what it is. Right. Yeah. And the ugliest jumper on the team is Rondé Hollis Jefferson. <laughs> so gross. So disgusting. Especially from deep. So gross. Um, he's great. Yeah. Whatever. All right. Well, is there anything else that you want to touch on with these two games before we move on? Um, I was actually trying to pull up some some numbers with Rondé and, and those other guys. Sure. Um, in the lineup. So they have played. Uh, so Fred, Kyle, Van Vliet. Uh, I'm sorry, Kyle, Fred, and Rondé have played 74 minutes together. Uh, and they're minus eight uh, net. So not great. Not mm. a lot of minutes together. So again, like these are things that I guess Nurse has not really gone to. And I kind of wonder why. I mean, that's an incredible. 74 minutes is like a nothing sample. Right. Um, so it's not really something that they've gone to. Well, time will tell. Um, I think, you know, with the ease of the schedule coming up, I think that maybe Nurse, as you mentioned, he he likes to experiment a little bit. Maybe with that, he'd be more eager and more inclined to see what he can finesse with and see how this roster responds to different changes because I, I have no doubt that he will, you know, implement them if necessary. Like, I, I again, I don't know if that's just coach speak to sort of light a fire up under the ass of other players. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. Or maybe like knowing Nick Nurse or what rather what little I know about him, it's to really put them into position to win. And I think that's probably more of the case than, than otherwise. Every permutation of having Rondé in the lineup um, in, in terms of from two to five man units are all negative. Really? Uh, yeah. So like I kept adding a starter like to the lineups mm-hmm. and they've all been they've all come back negative. Okay. All right. Then I guess OG is the guy. <laughs> like so when Kyle, Fred... Uh, Rondé, Serge, and McCall are together. Mm. They've played 15 minutes and they're minus 35. Yeah. And I guess I wouldn't do much with those numbers individually, like, because they're just incredibly small samples, but I think just the the collection of them together, of just like none of those lineups have ever seemed to work, I think might need some tweaking. I don't know if it's a shooting thing. I mean, their offense Could on be, all yeah. of them looks to be pretty bad. They're like usually under 100. Right. So it might just be a, a, a fact of they don't, Ibaka's not really like a respectable shooter. The fact that he spaces a floor like to give guys space and Rondé obviously is not really a shooter. So no. could be that. 
It's kind of tough. They're in a tough position because they don't have bodies. Right. How could you expect them to to really manufacture stuff when they don't have enough healthy guys? All right. Well, let's put a bow on that right there. When it comes to uh, healthy guys, there there are rumors about uh, a specific trade that just kind of made me dumbfounded. We're gonna get into that right after the break. Hang tight. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> You down for some uh, some drumming on the Raptors team? <laughs> no! I am sick and tired of Andre Drummond being traded to good teams. I have very strong opinions on him. I don't think he's very good. I am. Why would the Raptors need him? Rebounding. Like, what do, why? Rebounding. I, I'm cares? playing devil's advocate right now. Just rebounding. I mean, like, is that really, like, been a problem that you're going to be, like, who are the big rebounding teams that you're scared of? Like, they beat, I'm, I'm comfortable with them against Philadelphia. Like I mean, what? Like you're gonna trade him for a potential finals matchup against the Lakers? Like I'm not scared no. of the Bucks rebound. I'm not scared of Brook Lopez. No, but the hell out here. That has been some of the, well, one of the biggest weaknesses that the Raptors had all season is that their lack of rebounding. They have really no defensive presence, only because let's let's face it, Gasol and Ibaka haven't played much together at all. Like even when they are healthy, they're not really on the floor at the same time. But like you're relying on Chris Boucher to grab boards primarily here. So I think the the sexiness of Andre Drummond to the Raptors. And I don't even know if this is legitimate. Like, I'm just throwing, this is just a rumor at this point. I mean, he's averaging almost 16 boards and 17 and a half points per game. That's pretty good. This is a season, a season and high. Hassan Whiteside did that for years. I'm not <laughs> falling for that ever again. Listen, I watch Hassan Whiteside, who is better than Andre Drummond. And that may be a hot take. I don't care, man. Andre Drummond's never done, Andre Drummond has never played in a meaningful basketball game in his life. Truth, yes. Ever. Yeah. And I understand, like, his contract expires and, like, there's no way Masai is going to extend him because why the hell would he? They want cap space and they're right. going to have to d- figure out Fred and all that stuff. Like, it, like that's such smoke because the report also had Dallas. Like, why on earth would they want him in Dallas when they have a sense. great rib roll? Like, they have Dwight Powell, who's an awesome rib rolling guy. Like, why would they want, like, Andre Drummond to play next to Porzingis and further take away space? Right. Like, I don't know who the hell is leaking that. It's probably, like, Drummond's agent trying to get him out of Detroit. Like, but Jesus Christ, like, think of a better idea. Yeah, like, I think the... All right, so this is something that's not new to Raptors fans. Like, he's been linked to going to the Raptors for years now, going back to, like, a queen, a clean swap of him and JV that never, ever materialized, you know? And um, I just don't see an avenue in which this happens, right? The dude's 26-year-old, like, as you mentioned, on an expiring deal. Um, what are you trading away? Right, if you're trading away one of Ibaka and Gasol, like at that point, like what what are you doing? It's the same thing. Like you're actually losing by making that trade. I would not trade Mark for him. Right? Why? 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 Or even Ibaka? Why would you? You know, like the chemistry, the pick and roll, the Lowry Ibaka pick and roll is so good right now that uh, to me, like you need all the offensive weapons that you have. Why would you take that away for Andre Drummond just for the rebounding? I, I mean, sorry. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't see it. I, I can't. I can't find an avenue in which this works. And I think when people see trade rumors and they see the word interest, right? I'm sure, I'm sure they're interested, but that doesn't mean they're pursuing. And they I like- feel like Andre's interested, not the, not the side. <laughs> I too want to live in Toronto, Andre. It's very nice there. Uh, yeah, okay. Then yeah, maybe. But like, what is interest? Like, what does that mean? Like, I... I I don't know. When people see the word interest, oh, the Toronto's interested in Andre. Well, yeah, I'm sure they're like, oh, that'd be cool if we can make it happen, but we can't, so never mind. 
Like, they're not pursuing him. There's no active pursuit, I don't think, of Drummond to Toronto. So I just think this is a nothing rumor, and you're right. It's probably just his agent trying to spark stuff because he heard he's probably going to go to Atlanta. He doesn't want to go there. Like, it's probably... His buddies with Trey Young. He's boys with Trey Young. What are you talking about? He's boys with Kyle Lowry, apparently, too. Oh, my God, Kyle. Pick better <laughs> friends, man. I'm so anti-Andre Drummond. Like, I'm just, like, sick of these... You know, like, he's tall Zach Levine. Like, it's just the most mm. empty calories of empty calorie numbers. Like, that guy has been on perpetual losers, like, his entire career. Like, I'm just, like, not falling for a tall guy who doesn't move well like taking up that much of your cap. I'm sorry. Like right. um, my good friend, Nikias, um, writes for Bleacher Report, Dime, he beat him five reasons. Like he, he was saying that he'd probably rather have Drummond at, at 30 than he would rather have Trez at 23. And I was like, what are you talking what? about? What? Yes. He, I'm like at, at 30 million rather than Trez at 23 million. And, and like, I'm like, what, what, what on earth are you talking about? Like, what are those guys like consistently contributes to winning and does great work and pick and roll? And the other one's Andre Drummond. Right. Right. Who, like can't shoot, doesn't space, has been a turnstile on defense forever. I know that he's been a little better this year as an anchor, but man, I've seen Hassan Whiteside for years. I know what that looks like. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of this. And, and JB is man, lunch, man. Come on. Dude, I, JV in that series, I'll never forget it. It was awesome. Sorry. JV was. Listen, I'm, I'm having war flashbacks. <laughs> um, man, I don't really see anything for the Raptors really, because like I think that I, I'm curious as to what they're gonna do with Mark in the off season. I know that they're gonna want to resign Fred. I was kind of thinking he would get the Rozier deal, or that's what he should be asking for. I think he's gonna ask for more. What do you think it's going to look like? I think the Rozier is like three for 60, was it? I don't remember. I'm trying to pull it up. Um, but, I mean, what do you, would, you, would, they, would you think we're like in the 20s yes. for him? Yes. I, I think he's looking at Jalen Brown's contract and saying, I can get better than that. And I think he can. That's, oof, really? Mm. I think they do it. I think Masai probably does it. Probably, just to keep the continuity going and like the chemistry established, right? And I think... Kyle Lowry might be a, a hot trade candidate next season. I don't necessarily think he will be this season, but you know, the thing about Kyle Lowry, his contract as it stands right now doesn't affect the Raptors' books in 2021 if they were to pursue a Giannis or whatever. Um, but I, I do think that Fred Van Vliet would be an attractive player for other teams. Um, think about Miami. Like Miami could use him. I think he'd be a great addition to Miami if he was to explore free agency. Like I do think Fred Van Vliet can get a bag. Um, I mean, he's a he's a plus defender, shooter, passer. He's eighteen and eight, very quietly. Thirty seven percent shooter can shoot off the bounds, can shoot off the catch. Like he's like he, he'll be desired. Like he's better than than Rozier. Like I don't think he's Jalen Brown good, but I think he's he'll probably get that. I I wonder if teams are going to be scared to spend money this off season, and I wonder if that's going to affect his market value because of the free agent class in twenty twenty one. I think that and also I think a lot of teams were burned by having money in the past and then overspending it on kind of guys in this Fred Van Vliet family of gunner shooter having right. career year on a contract year, right? Like he jumped from 11 to 18 uh, from five assists to seven. You know, like the numbers kind of really spiked in a contract year uh, for a guy like at his position. I don't know. Like I, I, I've seen teams get burned by that recently and have really regretted kind of committing long term money to that. And I think teams are going to kind of be more like gearing themselves toward flexibility and also the Giannis stuff. So I'm really curious as to how that goes. 
Do you think that he's, I mean, he's 25 right now. So do you think he'd be in a position to get sort of a long-term deal? And obviously he's not going to get a five-year deal. Probably won't even get a four-year deal. So if he, I would ask for four if I'm him. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know his super max details or whatever the, the max details that he would have is, or I don't know how we would have to structure the contract. But like, I would, if I'm him, I'd probably ask for three or four. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd, I'd probably try to shoot for four. I um, mean, he just got two from them from the most recent extension. So. I think probably teams are going to kind of go for three. Like, I think anything at uh, being uh, covering the heat and kind of knowing how four deal, four year deals went. Right. Four, four years is a long time, man. Let me tell you, four years is a long time to have. Dion Waiters sitting on your bench. And it just also makes you wonder how much you want to commit to a point guard. And I don't want to like devalue the position here, but like I don't necessarily think that's someone that you want or a position rather that you want to spend a boatload of money on because like I just don't like you look at this right now. Like you look at Kyle Lowry, you look at Fred Van Vliet. Like, yes, Kyle Lowry is a great player. He's probably the greatest Raptor of all time, in my opinion. Um, but if Kyle Lowry were to go down, I don't know that, and assuming everyone else was healthy, but like that's a huge caveat here. I don't know that Fred Van Vliet couldn't hold it down. I'm not saying as well. He I'm did. Not saying, yeah. You know, okay. So there you go. We saw like, it. Yeah. So he could perform well enough that like, it makes you wonder, like, obviously that body, that Fred Van Vliet part two is not on the team right now, but it makes you wonder how much do you want to invest in that position? Let me tell you, he's probably been the biggest surprise for me this season. Like him taking this leap. Um, I mean, you have to remember last season of the playoffs, he had one and a half good series. <laughs> yes, it's true. Like, let's not forget that there was a point in time where like Fred couldn't hit anything, and it was a question if the Raptors should only play six. They wanted to play Jeremy Lin in front of him. Let's that, not forget that. Let's yeah. not forget the dark days of that Philly series. Yes. We were like, um, oh, should they only play six? Yeah. Like he's like, he was not like him, him and Danny couldn't hit anything. Yeah. I mean, Danny um, couldn't hit anything throughout the entire playoffs, but I mean, it was just like, I mean, like good riddance to that guy. Am I right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and then he had his child and then he had a second child in Steph Curry. And then all <laughs> you know, the rest is history. And he's kept it up ever since. It's game one of the damn season. I um, I, like, and I, I think that there's also like some value. Um, and, you know, being a covering a team that had a championship team that broke it up pretty much the very next year in 2006, there's like a lot of value in keeping guys long term in building a fan base. And I do think that the Raptors organization really wants to kind of like build this culture of basketball. And I do think it's important to keep guys that people love, right? Because when you start, not not that this is penny pinching because it's probably like you know if Fred starts asking for twenty five million dollars like you have to be you know kind of smart as a franchise and be like okay like we cannot commit that much cap right. to a guy like this but I think you have to do everything you can to kind of keep course together because that's what you know like if they cut let's say they sold they fire sold this team and traded everybody you know there are people like me that are you know I'm not gonna watch Raptors Cavs on a Tuesday you know right. if like everyone's gone you know I love this group of guys I love Kyle I love Fred I love Mark I love Serge all these guys. And I think building that community and building that kind of connection to your fan base when building something beyond a championship team is really important. And I probably think that's going to come into play as well. And it's why I don't really think that they trade anybody this season. I think they let them defend their title and ride it out unless they can get a significant upgrade at some position, which I don't really see that being available. Uh, I don't really see them helping a team that's going to try to unload salary like Oklahoma City that wants to get under the tax. I don't, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't really see anything in the league that would really make sense to them other than them just getting healthy. Maybe 
kind of getting a buyout guy at, at the wing position or something, you know, an extra defender, shooter, whatever. Um, I just I think that's valuable for them. I do think that kind of building off that championship uh, is going to be really valuable to them. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't see any noise being made at the deadline. And, you know, f- the majority of the reason of which is because I just don't know that they're going to want to move anybody. And how desirable are these players? Like the most desirable players that you have are cornerstones to this organization today. Right. And you mentioned guys like, you know, OG and Anobi. That's a guy that you're really high on. I think Messiah is too. And there's no way, like it would take a lot for OG and Anobi to be pried away from the Raptors. And I just don't know that Masai would be willing to to part with a guy like that. Same thing with Norman Powell. Like, yes, he's injured, but he's close to returning. Same thing with Mark Saul. Um, Is this contract up in this offseason? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a guy, like, I can maybe see them kind of moving for something. Maybe, you know, they'll do a swap or or whatever. Maybe take on a guy with an extra year Mm. uh, for 2021. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, if they do a move, it's something like that. Because uh, Norm, I, I hear, is the biggest impediment to them keeping uh, Fred and having the, the the Giannis cap space. So, Fred, you know, Norm is probably a guy that's not going to make it next year. They're probably not going to keep him. And they might. he's the guy that I could see getting moved. Right. And, like, no one's on the phones asking for a Patrick McCaw. No one's asking for an RHA. Like, as much as I like RHA on this team, like, he's not some guy that you want to be shopping around or people are going to be asking for or take seriously, right? So... I just don't see much movement happening, and and obviously a lot can happen between now and the deadline, and as we mentioned in the jump of the show, Marcus All coming back and Pascal Siakam coming back, that's sort of an addition in and of itself, and you you can think of that as a, as a trade acquisition, but I just don't see a lot of noise being made, and I, I do think, though, that if there's a groundswell around them, like if, if Danny Ainge gets off his ass and actually makes like a, a semi-decent trade, or if Milwaukee makes a push, or Indiana makes a push, or Miami makes a push, then maybe Masai's hand will be forced just a little bit. But in no way do I think it's going to be like this huge, impactful trade that's going to push the needle for them. I think right now what you see as a healthy team, what you see is primarily what you're going to get come you know the playoffs in April, May. So a team like Indiana I look at, and I, I think the most valuable piece they have to move is Miles Turner. And then you have to really say, like, what can they possibly really get for miles turner that's not really gonna put them in uh luxury tax hell because indiana is notoriously a a franchise that really watches how they spend right um milwaukee is in a position that they're kind of in this they have to keep you honest but they have been very cautious with their luxury tax so if they do upgrade at maybe point guard or something uh if they get another wing you know i i do imagine that they might be cautious about the salary that they take in and they don't really you know, I think one of their biggest strengths is continuity, so I don't know how much they're going to give. Uh, Miami's a team that's really interesting, but I also don't really see a trade for them, um, partly because the guys that they'd want to get rid of, I don't think people really want, even though Olenek's a 40% three-point shooter this year. He struggled on defense. Dion is in you know, purgatory. Right. James Johnson hasn't played a minute in three months. Um, Kendrick Nunn would be the only guy that I think has a lot of value that they'd be willing to move heroes unmovable for them and stuff like that. Winslow might be another guy, but he's been hurt for a while. So I don't really know like what they like. I, I do think that this idea that this is going to be a very active trade deadline might not be true. Miami was the team that I think a lot of people looked at because they had the movable contracts. They had the the, the, the pick in two years that they can move. Uh, and they're, they were they were a little ahead of schedule. I just don't see them doing it to sacrifice 2021 space. Drew Holiday was a guy that was thrown around a lot for them. And he's a guy that has a player option uh, for 2021. And that's might be a risk that Miami wants to take. Um, 
So I, I'm not really sure. Like Boston's another team, but they don't really have the contracts to move to upgrade. And we talked a little bit about the Gordon Hayward stuff. But also I've read that the Celtics aren't interested in moving Gordon Hayward. Um, that's been reported a lot. And that's probably coming from the Celtics front office. So, mm-hmm. again, like I'm not really sure like what's going to really go on in the East in the, in the trade deadline. I think that this might be an even quieter deadline than we thought. Oklahoma City is a lot better than we thought as well. And that was a team that I think Eastern Conference teams were going to look at to buy from. Maybe they don't really sell. I think the Adams Adams is probably going to get moved, but I yeah. don't think it's to any of these teams. I don't think the Celtics have the ammunition to get Adams to help the the the, the Thunder get tax relief, which they want. So it's going to be interesting. Like I, I kind of think most of these teams stand pat, and maybe they make make one or two small moves. Maybe like a Norman Powell swap for somebody. Maybe a a Kelly Olynyk swap for a different big. You know, like something like minor, but probably the buyout market. I think is where the Raptors are going to look for more than anything. Yeah, I mean they were pretty active on that last season after the Gasol trade. So, I mean it's going to be interesting. I I like I think you're right. I think especially in the Eastern Conference right now, they're so hamstrung, right? And everything's so tight. That maybe the, the, every team thinks they have a legitimate shot because kind of they, they kind of do. Like, it, well, the top five teams, they kind of do. Um, so when it comes to Masai, though, he's very forward thinking. So I think he's, he's always thinking two, two moves ahead. And if he doesn't see anything that's going to benefit him in the short term, that's all, or rather that will benefit him in the short term, but also be a detriment in the long term, I don't think he's going to do it. Um, you know, and... There are a lot of people are worried about the aspect of him going to New York and is he going to fuck the team and go to New York? I, I just don't think that's in his Why DNA. would he want to do that? I, well, I mean, people like to speak about the Giants of Africa thing and that would be a way bigger market for him, for him in New York City. But like, this is a guy that likes a lot of autonomy when he operates and I just don't see Dolan giving him that at all. And why would he trust, even if Dolan promises that, why would Masai believe what Dolan tells him? Exactly, yeah, yeah. What evidence do we have of Dolan being a man of his word? None. Zilt. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So I, I get Raptors fans freak out because, you know, you know, if, if they see someone that they, they hold dear being pursued, like last year, Washington Wizards really wanted Masai and, oh, he's really good friends with Obama. That means he's going to go and he didn't go anywhere. Like it, these things get overblown. And I think that, you know, MLSE is smart enough to say like no this guy is like pretty much the golden goose nothing would be happening for this team right now if it wasn't for Masai Ujiri give him what he wants and he'll stay I think he's probably one of the most valuable guys in the league oh yeah like like I think outside of a player I think he is a guy that I think most people would want I mean even having Pat Riley as a general manager you know like kind of look longingly at Masai be like oh man that'd be kind of cool you know yeah 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 <laughs> you know it's I think he, exactly. he he thinks of other teams too. Like he probably envisions himself on other teams, and I I don't know how much you know the autonomy for other teams that they give their president of operations. But like Masai's got a good here. He's got an entire country that he that supports him, and a lot of people. I say here. I'm not even in Toronto, but like a, a lot of people, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I I I'm I'm pseudo in Toronto, I guess. But a lot of people. Are you in Buffalo? No, no, I'm in Rhode Island. Okay. Yeah. So. I'm in the That's nipple. You said you were in New England. Yeah, the nipple of the United States. Um, but yeah, like uh, uh, he has it made in Toronto. He has everything he could possibly ask for, except for maybe ownership claim. And I don't know that he'd actually get that, but I don't th- necessarily think he's interested in that. I don't know either way. But with the with the rate of autonomy that he has to operate this team, 
I just don't know that any other team would be willing to offer that to him. Ah, man, it's I, like I said, this this he is he's my hero, man. Let me tell you, he's the golden goose. Dude, I love Masai. Long live, long live Masai Ujiri. All right, well, let's uh, let's put a bow. Most wanted man in the NBA, <laughs> definitely. Most wanted man in New York, that's for sure. Let's put a bow on this conversation. We'll come right back with the two sweet moment of the week. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. It's time for the two sweet moment of the week here on the South of the Six podcast. All right, man. You can take the floor first. Basically, two sweet moment of the week is any moment you saw this week by a Raptors player that was awesome. It could be a play, a sequence, an interview, anything you want to give. Go for it, man. Floor is yours. Can I uh, can I not pick a Raptors player and pick somebody else in the Raptors organization? Of course. Because that New Year's Eve game with the broadcasters doing the... <laughs> the Jack it strong. Uh, yes. It made my night. Let me tell you. I... Was so happy. I was. I was. That was. I was. Listen. Um, I don't know if the audience would know what Coquito is. Coquito <laughs> is a. Do you know what Coquito is? I don't know. Coquito's a Puerto Rican kind of rum, coconut, uh, condensed milk holiday drink. Uh, that I. It's a. It's on very special occasions. It's very difficult to make. I was gifted Coquito, uh, and I was having it while watching Raptors Cabs, laughing my ass off. Oh yeah. At the at the New Year's Eve celebrations. Uh, in Toronto on the broadcast. It was amazing. It was like, I, I have not been that happy watching a broadcast all year. It was great. I ended on a high note. He was definitely, Jack Armstrong was definitely yeah. drunk. And like, I don't even know amazing. that he, he was awesome, dude. I don't even think he was trying to hide it because he just, he just kept like, with his little kazoo doing fucking Christmas tunes. And I'm just like, it's, it's, it's perfect. It was perfect. I loved it. Let me tell you, man. I... You know, I've had the privilege of growing up with Eric Reed and Tony Fiorentino doing the Miami broadcast. And like, I, I love them to death. And like, Tony's not doing the games anymore. Uh, but like, those guys are great. And Eric Reed's as good as they come. The Raptors broadcast might be the best in the league. It's awesome. I mean, like, all right. So they have two broadcast teams. Matt Devlin is on both of them. Um, Jack Armstrong, the guy that you saw. The, like, Jack, Armstrong's, Jack Armstrong is the guy. Man. He's the best. He's the best. Like, I, I don't love Leo. I don't hate him. He's on the Sportsnet broadcast. He's just a little yeah. bit dry for me. But Jack Armstrong, like the way he critiques the game and the way his level of entertainment is just so dead on. And like he has so much fun. That yes. it's partly why I love watching Raptor games, because I'm like, I'm having as much fun as Armstrong. You know, like when it comes to just like the sponsorships, like this episode of the Toronto Raptors, this game rather, it's brought to you by Snickers. Snickers! He just like comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it's Kevin Harlan-esque. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've been wanting to talk about that because, like, I I have been so enamored by this broadcast, which has been like, <laughs> I love it. It makes me so happy. He's the real deal. Like he gets Armstrong gets excited for anything. Yes. Like Norm can almost get a steal, and he'll go nuts. <laughs> it's like great. Oh my god, they're the best. He's got merch. If you go to hellojack.com, I think it is. He's got. I'm merch. buying merch. Really? Yeah, he's got merch. Go check it out. It's either Hello Jack. I know his Twitter is Hello Jack. Hello Jack. Let me see. I just Googled Hello Jack. I have no idea what's going to come out. I really okay. hope I don't lead you astray here. Um, I think this is a radio station. Okay, so hold on. Let me, I'll, so, I'll find it for you. Hello Jack shirts. Oh, here we go. I think I found them. It says like, hello. It's got his face on it. Yes. Let me see. 
Yes. Yes. I want. Oh my God. There's one with him in a crown. Yeah. He's got ugly Christmas sweaters and everything too. Rack it up, Danny G. Yep. Oh, Get yeah. that garbage out of here. Oh yeah. I oh yeah. Him. It's the real deal, man. He's got a St. Paddy's Day shirt I'm looking at. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting. Oh, I'm getting this hat, man. Do it, man. Do it up. Oh, Represent. We're all about. People will be like, yeah, what man, the that hell was, is that? That's, that's, that's my that's your two sweet moment of the week. <laughs> in Miami, nobody's gonna know. Like, who's this old white guy on your shirt? And be like, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, my you, hero. You He's my know. father. Yeah, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't understand. Jack Armstrong's my dad. Leave me alone. <laughs> he too is a Buffalo Bills fan, so I don't know if that makes it a little uh, a little weird for you. But uh, my two sweet moment of the week was yesterday's game. Kyle Lowry's deep, deep fuck you three in the fourth quarter against the Nets. Like, and he just makes it and he extends his arms to the crowd and like sort of trolls them that's vintage kyle lowry right there and he knew that was the dagger i think it was like two and change left in the game you gotta love it it's it's one of those moments that you're just like and i'm sure you can relate it's just like that's kyle lowry man that's my point guard so long Listen, live he, kyle lowry that guy you know he's like you know kyle is like a little surly you know he, he kind of lives in perpetual surliness but i love when he's not yeah. You know, like and even during our media availability with him um, on Thursday, like he ranged from like surly to smiling to laughing, <laughs> joking. It was like I got the entire Kyle spectrum. Oh, yeah. Like he gets there. He kind of like sits down. He's like, all right, let's get this over with. And like, you know, me, Reynolds of the AP, uh, Kareem, every, all the Raptors athletic guys. Everybody's like crowding around him. Everybody, he's getting asked Davis certain questions. He's very, very serious, being very um you know, very saying very nice things about Commissioner, former Commissioner Stern, and uh, and he was asked if like he shook David's hand, and Kyle's like, no, nah, no, nah, I wasn't in the green room, I wasn't invited. Like he's still kind of salty about <laughs> salty, it. Salty, yes. And he's like, uh, yeah, he's like, I shook his hand. Thankfully not because I was in his office and I got in trouble. Never did that. <laughs> like, and he's like, he's careening from like super serious to like I'm gonna get this joke off, to like not, you know, he's great, man. Yeah. I love that guy. Yesterday's game uh, against the Nets, he got tangled up with Allen. And you could tell, like, after the play was over, he's, he puts his arms up. He's like, it's just a basketball play. It's just a basketball play. And Allen, like, gets to him. He's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do right now? And he got teed up for it. And he's like, what I say? Like, he gets super defensive about it. And it's like, dude, you pretty much just kind of threatened him. But if you know Kyle Lowry, you didn't. Like, he kind of didn't, but you did at the same time. It's just, I love it. I, it he... Definitely averages about a tech a game. And it's just, oh, what are you going to sure. do? I love it. Like, I think the way he flops is an art. Like, <laughs> I know, like it's artful. Like, how do you not like that? He's, like, so good at it. Uh, he never he gets the continuation, too. He never oh, gets the continuation, ever. Never does. Ever. You know, and I, he, I fall for it, too. Like, I'll yell, be like, that was continuation. The people watching the game would be like, what are you watching? What are you looking at? No, yeah. it wasn't. It's, it's Raptors bias, man, because I'm the same way. I just, I don't understand how it's not, but. It's, it's always continuation for me. Always. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Let's make a t-shirt. It's always, always continuation. continuation for me. <laughs> Get on this, Hello Jack. Uh, all right, let's wrap this up with some predictions that we can put a bow on it. Uh, Tuesday, they, go to, uh, they face Portland in Toronto. Portland is five of their last ten as of this recording. And then the next day, they travel to Charlotte. Charlotte is three of their last ten. It's a back-to-back. You got travel in between. I don't really care. I'm going to make this simple. I'm calling it a two straight dubs. What say ye? Listen, any team that Hassan Whiteside is anchoring the defense for, <laughs> I trust the Raptors to carve it up. 2-0. There you go. I mean, like Charlotte's, that's whatever. They're going to be trying. I mean, who, can, Devon, who's, who is Devontae Graham? Yeah. Who is that? Whatever. He just He wishes he was Kyle. <laughs> 
Don't we all? So he, people are <laughs> celebrating him for being what Fred VanVleet already is. Come there on. You there you Come go. Come on. All right, man. That's going to wrap it up for today. I appreciate you coming on. I hope this was, you know, like sort of a, an experience that you wanted, expelling right. all your Raptors love here. And it's a safe space. You're going to get nothing but love. Unless some, you know, some of your fans listen to the show, they're probably going to hate every minute of it. It's been over an hour. So shame on you guys for listening all the way through. But thank you for listening all the way through. Um, this is your time to shine. You can promote any and everything you got going on, where people can find you on Twitter, where people can find the podcast. All of it, man. Floor is yours. Go for it. Thank you so much. Nothing made me happier than to talk about Kyle Lowry pin downs in the baseline. Like <laughs> dreams come true. You know what I mean? Um, listen, you can follow all my work at Gnavas103, G-N-A-V-A-S-103. That's my Twitter account where you can get all my Raptors tweets, my Heat tweets, all my stuff. Follow the podcast at M-I-A Heatbeat on Instagram, on Twitter. We have a podcast posting on Monday. Kind of we had took some time off, you know, enjoying the holidays. We're gonna recap everything that's gone on, kind of look forward, trade stuff. Uh, there is Raptors talk there, uh, <laughs> begrudgingly to my producer and my co-host. So check that out. Check out everything on the website, MiamiHeatBeat.com. Uh, we have articles, podcasts, videos. We have a special surprise coming up for our listeners and everybody. So stay tuned to some video content that you guys are gonna like. And check out the good work that a lot of our writers, Leif, myself, Alf, Nikias, Alex, Christian, pretty much everybody. We all also contribute at FiveReasonsSports.com, run by the great Ethan Skolnick himself, journalist extraordinaire, longtime Miami sports guy. So check everything out over there on Twitter accounts, Instagram. Uh, guys, if you're interested, the Instagram account's going to be very active this year because it's my New Year's resolution to post every day on there uh, starting tomorrow. So, <laughs> so check us out there. I'm trying to grow, man. I'm trying to grow different mediums. There you go. I mean, it, it's right. always great to start on a Monday. Monday's the international yeah. start day. So. Like, I feel like New Year's starts like a week later. Like, this week was like not really the beginning of the New Year. Tomorrow's the real beginning of the New Year. Right. Yeah. Tomorrow's the real deal. Tomorrow's when all the gyms are going to get crowded for about two weeks. And then oh, my like, God. It's the worst. It's I the always worst. avoid that. The worst. Um, all the links will be in the description of the show, uh, the Twitter, the podcast, the website, all of it will be in the description of the show. So if you want a short little avenue to get there, just tap the artwork. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, it will get you right to it with a click away. Giancarlo, anytime you want to come on here and express some Raptors love, you are more than welcome. Again, this is a safe space. I'm glad you came on. I'm so excited. Anytime. Listen, if, if they keep playing the Raptors in the playoffs, we got to do this. Okay. All right. We'll make we'll, we got you got to come. You got to come on my show. And we'll like, you know, we'll, we'll do. We'll, we got to do some fun stuff. I'll defend the turf on your show and we'll, we'll make it a tag. Team. I'll defend the turf, too. <laughs> what are we doing? It's going to be everybody. Gets us. I love it. I'm, I'm down. That's the story of my life, man. Uh, I live in New England. I get it from all angles anyway. So I'm used to it. Raptors strong. All right, man. Uh, thanks for hopping on. I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors.